BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You look at this back-to-back against Miami and Boston, and I mean, every single night in the NBA, Carter, you hear some teams say, oh, my God, I was so unfocused. I never should have lost to that team. We could be that mistake. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh, Sexton inside. Oh. A thunderstorm. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cleveland Cavaliers bounce back from that loss to the Miami Heat. Second night of a back-to-back, no problem at all. They beat the Boston Celtics. Celtics put up a little bit of a fight in the second half, but you know what? It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to overcome Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro dunking on everybody. And to talk about it is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Oh, boy, needed that one. That was uh, that. That's gonna fuel me for the next couple of weeks. I say, uh, that was. Uh, how is it that after this many iterations of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and after this much roster turnover, that it's still so damn fun to beat the Boston Celtics? Oh, that is a great question. I actually learned one of the things I learned since we last podcasted is I'm still capable of sports hate. I, I oh, that's thought- good. I thought I had passed beyond mm-hmm. that stage, and it's not the Boston Celtics. It's Kelly Olynyk. I can't stand oh, that guy. Man, brutal. I, I, I get thoughts I'm not proud of. I, I get really, really wound up and angry. And like I, I'm I'm not necessarily proud of it, but like the fact that this guy's out there undercutting dudes on rebounds, apparently he doesn't get any calls against him. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, should it? I mean, there were times, unless unless we are mistaken, and he is the best perimeter defender of our generation. At least fifteen to thirty thousand blocking calls should have been charged, where he's getting switched on to Colin Sexton and just barreling into him for no call. Unbelievable! Oh, that was. I mean, here's the thing about the last two games: (laughs) terribly unfavorable whistles for the Cavs. Uh, and and, I mean, and we're like for listeners that have been here for the last few years, we are not the official. We are podcast. not. Ref, yeah, we are not ref guys. 
But man, they were just getting a brutal, no benefit of the doubt whistle, which happens when you're at a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially when you're in a stretch and you're playing two teams who are good defensive and very physical, you know, the old Jerry Sloan technique of just foul every play and they can't call them all, um, <laughs> you know, but man, they were getting bad whistles. So the fact that they were able to kind of fight through that and win against Boston, Oh, it felt so good. It felt so good. And man, did we need it? And, and it was fun in all the right ways, which is really cool. It, it really was like it, on the one hand, so the the first half, it was pretty clear Boston wasn't full bars. It they, they wasn't a great effort from them at all. Um, they were also on the second night of a back-to-back. And it would have been nice for it to just be kind of a cruise to a blowout win, especially after some losses that had kind of made the environment around the Cavs a little testy with the fans, at least in my experience. It would have been nice to get a blowout win. but I And I had tweeted this, but... When oh, I Boston, think this was I the way it played out. I think was just right, it, and it, and me. it's better. Honestly, it's better for the Cavs' development to be in these competitive games. Like I, I'd rather see them face a team that turned it on. Like uh, Jason Tatum's shot making in the second half was fantastic. Like he was out of his mind. Uh, they they were really selling out again. Uh, the second game in a row that we saw a team make an adjustment saying, holy crap, obviously Darius Garland is the engine of this offense. So we're going to sell out. We're going to put uh, Jimmy Butler on him. We're going to put Andre Iguodala on him. We're going to trap the hell out of him. We're going to put Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart on him. And yeah, it's kind of limited his second half scoring to some extent. But I felt against Boston, you saw some growth there uh, where they were making other reads. He was making the right plays. The assist went up. Well, growth and, from the team too, you know. Exactly. I mean, be- beating the trap as a small guard is is a team effort, you know. I mean, if you if you are six foot one uh, and two, six, seven players are trapping you, there's only so much you can do, but the Cavs did so much better of coming to meet him, giving him a clear passing target. I think Larry Nance uh, and his IQ just put a thousand stamps all over this game. Yes. I mean, he had a good box score game too, but I just thought he was really, really smart on both ends of the ball. Um, and, you know, he came and was that outlet valve. And, you know, Larry Nance is the kind of player you want attacking a four on three. You know, we've talked a lot about how our ideal version of Larry in this offense is – kind of similar to what Draymond Green functioned as offensively for those 20, you know, 14, 15, and 16 Warriors. Mm -hmm. And that's just 2015 and 2016. Sorry, getting my years messed up. (laughs) But, um, you know, like that, that's kind of what we've imagined. And that's really what uh, a hard trap on Darius gets you is, is the ball in the hands of a smart decision maker that can dribble, pass and shoot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an important growth to see. And I, I thought that that was the, the first game where it kind of seemed like Larry was a little bit back into the early season form that we saw from him. Like he had had good moments prior to that, but I, I felt that that was his most complete game since he's come back uh, from that hand surgery. Um, but yeah, like we've talked about in the past where some of the issues, like the way that teams are able to take away Garland and, and take away kind of the, the first option for the Cavs. Some of that is a personnel issue, right? They don't have that big playmaker in the front court that can help alleviate that. Like you, you look at a team like Charlotte, for an example, uh, LaMelo Ball has been fantastic. He's phenomenal. He's way ahead of where I expected him to be in year one. But having a presence like Gordon Hayward is that kind of release valve. It's someone else that they can run the offense through that makes it more difficult for a team to sell out on kind of containing him and throwing that length at LaMelo. So 
that that's not a luxury that the Cavs have right now. But Larry can provide some of that. We, we saw it against Boston. Not many teams are as aggressive as Miami. Like Miami has length. They've always played this blitz the hell out of you defense. They try to generate those turnovers. They try to take. And they have like three or four of the smartest defensive players in NBA history. <laughs> and, and and the be- probably the best coach in the conference as well. Like yeah, I would yeah. agree with that statement. Yeah, so like it, it's nice growth to see. Like that that's the one thing that really stands out to me and I I understand it there's some frustration uh as the Cavs were going through those losses. Maybe some of that was the result of hey, they had such a great stretch before the the All-Star break. We were waiting for some good basketball and then we got these losses and and that's why people were a little more testy. Well, I think uh, they were testy too because of the, how it was happening, you know. I mean just absolute blown off the floor you know, single digit quarters, like really kind of dampen your spirits kind of stuff after a long stretch without the Cavs. I think the all-star break plays into it too. It's like, we all came in ready for some fun and we got uh, a couple, you know, uh, ass whoopings. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they were able to, you know, like, what was it? Three L's in a row. And then uh, to come back and say, and kind of just like, like they kind of felt like a, a boxer that were out, that was out on their feet. Yeah. But then they, you know, they were able to 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 survive enough to kind of recapture uh, you know, their their wits and then attack this Boston Celtics team that was vulnerable. And you know what's really fun about the fact that the Celtics did make it a game is it is wild how much I trust this team in close games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they're going to I think they're going to figure this out. I don't have the same even during stretches of the regular season in the second LeBron era where there was just so much consternation about mm-hmm. things. Like I just have so much faith. Like, I'm like, no, I think they, I think they're going to figure this out. I think they're going to be okay. Like, and, and really what uh, the big thing is, I just don't sense that they feel terribly pressured. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they play with uh, confidence beyond their years in that situation. I mean, Which is so weird. I just never, I don't feel like most young teams do this that are, mm-hmm. you know, that are on their way up. Like whatever trajectory they're on, I think they're on their own. You know, like, I don't think that they have, there's a ton of historicals for team that when they loses, loses by 30. But when it's, when it's close, when they've, when they've got it going enough, they can go toe to toe with anyone. They went toe to toe with, I mean, even in losses, it's not just that they always win. It's that they're, they don't unravel often in close mm-hmm. games. Like even again, you know, the game where LeBron went absolutely nuclear, they, you know, were shot for shot with them all the way to the end. Yeah. So like, I just don't know what to make of what that means, but I do know that it it's, I think it says something about the mindset of the players on the team. I think it says something about the mindset of the players. I think it says um, something about the coaching staff as well, managing those situations, Um, getting those players prepared to execute in those situations. Like, I mean, (laughs) I mean, this is, I mean, I'll say this, man, it is. And I know we don't want to have this discussion for the 500th time on basketball discourse, but I do feel like it is a bit of an eye test versus numbers kind of thing where, all the metrics tell you the best predictor of overall team quality and um, and future success is point differential. The yeah. Cavaliers are 30th in the league in point differential. But I do not think they are the worst team in the league, mm-hmm. uh, especially while healthy, even though that and, – and I know we'll probably point to the fact that they have had bad injury luck, et cetera, et cetera. But even when mostly healthy, they, they're still prone to some stinkers. Let's not, let's not beat, beat around the yep. bush here. But – 
you know, despite all the evidence that says that my, my brain says I shouldn't be this confident in this team when things are tight against good teams. Mm-hmm. And that must mean something good. I, and I can't quantify it, but that's kind of where my brain is at. I, I think that that's a, a logical conclusion to get to. And I, I don't know. I, I was getting grumpy at the discourse because uh, I had seen oh, some stunner. People- I, yeah, I know. Uh, I had seen some people post like, man, this season, now that this season has gone off the rails and, and they're so much worse than expected. And I'm sitting here like, if you look at their win percentage, this is a 33 win pace in a regular season. That is and a- how many, and, and how many wins did you predict for them, Justin? <laughs> your boy predicted 27 wins we are still on that i'm close to hitting my over bet it's a beautiful thing carter um <laughs> but i actually want to give a lot of credit to chris fedor because he, he kind of put something into my head and reported something that i wasn't aware of um coming back from the all-star break obviously there, there's some new protocols in place uh, with covid and it's made the situation on the road even worse where this team, in addition to not having a practice, then even have a shoot around to work through stuff before those games. And you, you look at the loss to New Orleans, you look at the loss to Atlanta, it looked like a team that didn't have a shoot around. And I really wonder if the difference between the home and road splits this season have something to do with their ability to have a routine to actually prepare. Because we've talked about how important that preparation is. You look at this season, the Cavs are 10 and 10 at home. Their O rating is 109.5 at home and negative 2.9 net rating. That's good. On the road, 5 and 15. Uh, 99.4 O rating. Woo! Awful. <laughs> and a neg- stinky. Whatever. What, you, what I don't know what the, what that gif where the guy the old man just says stinky <laughs> is from, but that's that's what popped into my head. That, that's from I think you should leave and you should absolutely watch it, Carter. One of the better uh, sketch have shows. Not, I've have seen not seen it yet. I, I know I'm uh, a minority on NBA Twitter. You yeah, you're you're behind on that. And, and the net rating on the road is negative thirteen point eight. <laughs> And oh God, I'm, honestly, I'll say this. I thought it might've been worse. <laughs> I, I think that's a reasonable thought. And here's the thing. I, I don't want this to sound like an excuse, but this is something that if you're only watching the Cavs, you're going to see this discrepancy and say, okay, well, why, why are the results varying so different from game to game? Why do they look so uh, unprepared some nights and, and on the money other nights? This is a league wide trend. And I I think it's amplified and made a lot worse when you're talking about the Cavs because they are starting so many guys that are young. They've had so much roster turnover. Uh, They're they're trying to reintegrate a new piece in Larry Nance under these circumstances where you're not even having a shoot around before the game. And I I just think that it it doesn't necessarily excuse it and, and you want them to have less nights where things go that off the rails. But at the same time, like that is a logical <laughs> conclusion. And it's also a bit of a ray of hope that next season, crossing your fingers, knocking on wood, that when the conditions are a little more normal, when these guys have more experience under their belt, you're going to see a team that more resembles who they are at home, where they they at least have an average offense, decent enough record, uh, 500 record at home, and that's something that they can build off of, and they're not as much the awful team that we see in road games. Yeah, I mean, they're... They're minus 14 net rating uh, on the road. 
Next worst is the the Magic, who are minus nine point seven. So it's an enormous jump from them yeah. to twenty ninth. I mean, it's it's especially brutal, which makes sense given the injury issues, given the uh, turmoil, given I believe they have had a road heavy schedule uh, to start yep. the year. They've had a few four or five it, game road trips. It's been even, um, yeah, it, it's been even, but the the road trips have been all at one time, right? Like the 10-game the losing streak was predominantly on the road. This uh, Yeah, it's time. literally even. Um, yeah, I, and totally. I, I do wonder, you know, and as you're saying this, I'm almost having this thought, like, you know how sometimes teams get lucky by getting unlucky? Yeah. I think the most charitable way to view this season, if you are feeling the most optimistic possible, is that, you know, what if this team was supposed to take a bit of a leap this year and be, you know, a fringe a playoff contender, not just because the East is terrible, but be hovering much closer to 500 than they are. But because of all the circumstantial stuff that basically just kills young teams, a nine month layoff, yeah. no practice, um, uh, bad injury luck, et cetera. It would be nice if their record was being artificially dampened mm-hmm. uh, compared to teams with a little bit more veteran uh, support that are more built to weather the storm carter is uh, going to shock you but that that is something that i very strongly believe i think this team is well better and, than their and, record. and in that case if they are better than their record because again their point differential just they are way 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 worse than their record mm-hmm. um so if they are better than their record and we are our theory crafting is correct then the Cavs might have the chance to in our we're even in a bad scenario where their record stays poor add one more stud yeah. Um, but you know, I will say it makes evaluation maddeningly difficult, um, <laughs> for, uh, for us. And I'm sure the team themselves, like, how are they supposed to, how's Kobe Alvin supposed to keep building this roster with all this noise? You know, we've talked about, I mean, just on this one podcast where we're mostly being pretty positive, we've talked about like seven mitigating factors yes. that make it impossible to actually evaluate whether the team is good or not. Mm-hmm. And that is, ugh, it's really, really hard to wrap your head around. It really is. And you know what? That segues into what I want to talk to next. But before I get there, I want to drop one more stat on you. Uh, hashtag stat, because now now I'm rolling. I'm cooking with gas here, Carter. Go, 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 go. At home, what do you think the net or the offensive rating for Saxland is? Oh, man. Oh, well, the fact you're asking me tells me it must be pretty good. I'll say 108. 113.2 baby oh that's nice yeah that's that's pretty good you know with, well they uh, that the i mean it doesn't take much to tell you that those two uh change the complexion of the offense when they're on the floor together and that the offense loses uh, a significant amount of oomph mm-hmm. when only one is on the floor and uh collapses into uh, utter rubble with neither <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and you know what? I, I think we're also being a little negligent as well, Carter. Uh, we, we didn't talk about one more factor that could have contributed to their great night. Sexland is in the team's intro video, I'm, baby. I'll tell you what. I think we made it, Justin. <laughs> I, I think we just might have, man. You, you know what? I, I got to say, like, it, it was 
one more of those kind of surreal moments like how how many mountaintop moments have we had in like the past calendar year uh in, in an objectively terrible year uh when you're talking about covid and the whole world ending and all the uncertainty we have had some pretty cool moments and, and that one is really high up there and you know what i i know i know we are affiliated with the cast but i, I gotta say I love that they're embracing being fun. Like things like that, you know, just taking some chances on putting sex land in there. Uh, when they were posting the NCAA tournament pictures, I don't know if you saw that, but they had Tori and Prince's rebound speech, the 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 picture from that. Like that that is a really funny thing to do. And I I feel like more and more teams are, are starting to trend in that direction, but the Cavs are knocking it out of the park lately. And uh, it, it's a lot of fun for me to watch because that that is my well, ethos. It's that our, is my those. And because it's our things they're taking. <laughs> yes, that that is also well, not our thing. Sex land is for everyone, but a thing that we have loudly propagated. I will say it is an interesting thing outside of the basketball uh, side of things, where we've seen that all these companies that are very very careful with their messaging are learning that you actually don't have to be that careful with your messaging if you're not an absolute idiot. Like you can actually get, you can actually have a lot of fun. Like you just think of like you know, even outside of basketball, like, uh, you know, the Wendy's Twitter account, trash talking other fast food restaurants, you know, <laughs> it's like, we all kind of know this doesn't matter. So on online, like, sure, there are, you can mess up. So you still have to be careful and conscientious and smart. As always, good jokes are, you know, jokes are ruined by stupid people. Did, did you see the Miami Heat's? Did you see the Miami Heat's Twitter account take out the Grizzlies for no good reason? No. So, well, do you the, remember that that was happening a lot, and then the league kind of like tamped it down, and I didn't. I was bummed. Well, I, I think that's because they went with the uh, the horse gun emoji with the. Rockets. Well, no, no, no. That wasn't. That was. It was a. That was a separate uh, exchange. There okay. was. A, I think the Kings were in the Kings Twitter account had talked some trash, and the NBA sent a memo that was like they need to stop talking trash on the oh, team man. accounts. And this was like five set five to seven years ago. It was a while ago. Yeah, the, the Grizzlies account had basically tweeted, "We won't even ask about the yellow jerseys. Let's play ball." And Miami's response was something to the effect of, "It's our championship color jer- trophy jersey, or whatever." You wouldn't know anything about that. Like just going for the jugular right off the bat. Like, yeah, those jerseys are objectively terrible. I don't care what anyone says. And, and- I will say they look a little bit better, right? on the court at least ah yeah well i mean most jerseys do and and plus they went with the nft approach with that basically where they released just a a limited number of those jerseys they they added up the years that they won so 2012 2013 and i guess 2006 i think and that's the number of those jerseys that are available justin corny stuff man ask me what nft stands for what does NFT stand for? I have no clue. <laughs> Do you? Yes, I think it's non-fungible tokens. Oh which... my god! Can can we tell the story about our our terrible Top Shot uh, brand ambassadorship on this podcast? <laughs> I, I think we let the uh, I think we missed the boat on this one, but go ahead. Sure. So I I, I think we, I've been kind of telling a few people this on the side. So before NBA Top Shot went public, both your boy and Justin were reached out to by Top Shot to be brand ambassadors to the program. And they gave us some like currency, some, you know, some crypto to buy some packs with while the program was still in beta. And all we had to do was like 
tweet a few like nice things about Top Shot, and it and we didn't get paid for it. The whole thing was like we just got some crypto, you know, some yeah. Top Shot currency to pay with. And Justin and I didn't understand it <laughs> one iota. I, I feel so old. Nothing has it, made me feel it, older. I'm not even. I'm not even criticizing Top Shot, but like I got my tweets in, and I don't think I even followed up on like the free pack or whatever we we're no. supposed to get. So, so we <laughs> and I might have cost myself thousands. So we we put in the most piss poor effort to uh, of tweets. Like like I just followed the the brand guide and like basically copy pasted. Couldn't have been worse. And then. Like a month later, I hear it'd be a top shot sold for a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, Justin, you realize that we're the dudes that sold our Apple stock like a year in? No, know who we are. We are. Do you remember like when Bitcoin was first a thing and that guy had a viral video of buying pizza with Bitcoin and it was like 18 bucks worth of Bitcoin and now it's worth like that amount would have been worth like a billion dollars or something <laughs> stupid like that. That's who we are. That we is. are so dumb. So <laughs> if you ever want to listen to us, just know that we are so stupid, so short-sighted and lazy, frankly, because if we had just thought and, and given a, I didn't even need to believe in it, but just gave it an honest effort. <laughs> we might have a lot of money now. <laughs> it's it's worse than that because like i hit my quota i just didn't ask for the pack or whatever follow-up i was supposed to do after the fact i'm an idiot and in the same like in the same spirit of talking about how stupid we are let's circle back to three days ago when we were talking about all right starting larry nance jr for for the remainder of the season i'm still on board with that but isaac okoro we had the or at least i had the take <laughs> i i did that thing of when i'm wrong i lump you into it um That's but, nice, dear. but but i had the take of maybe moving him to the second unit and still playing him the same amount of minutes playing him the starters minutes but just for spacing and you know what i i had a bit of a revelation i i marinated on on the thought and i think i might have been getting a little cute too cute with my take i i think that's what happened there um man was he good against boston and and you know what he's good against miami too and if you're playing him starters minutes one way or another it's almost circling back to the sex land conversation we had to start the season where if they are going to be playing significant minutes yeah like starting kind of matters but in the grand scheme of things if they're still playing the same number of minutes it's not that big of a deal and plus when you look at the season the offense actually is better when he's on the floor versus off yeah, I mean, I think that says some, a lot about kind of who's been coming off the bench and and that's true, you yeah. know, and who who plays on those second units. Because um, remember, I'm sure he plays. I'll bet if you look at his minutes paired with Sexlander, at least one of them mm-hmm. uh, is pretty pretty hefty. Um, yeah, I mean, I still my my brain still says he would be best served coming off the bench uh, once the team has a player that's kind of worthy of starting above him. I think given that's who the they have, thing. the thing they have, the team they have healthy right now, no, I, I think he should still be starting. I thought he had an elite game against Miami. Uh, what, or I'm sorry, against Boston. Uh, played really, really good defense. Man, did they play good defense on Tatum and Brown or what? Like, yeah. like Larry was all over Jalen on a lot of possessions. Isaac was really, really in uh, Tatum's face, forcing really tough shots, and Tatum was going bananas in the second half. Uh, any, I would say 95% of the players in the league being guarded the way Isaac was guarding them would not have scored 
the, uh, even at the rate Tatum did, and he didn't have that efficient of a night. Um, you know, I still think he should he should come off the bench if you know once Prince is healthy, uh, unless he again earns his way, in my opinion, to get in there. Uh, but man, he was very, very good against Boston. There's no way around it. Can we actually go to uh, one of our dear podcast listeners? Uh, uh, takes uh, and it's a silly take. It's our dear friend Hiram Boyd. Hi Hiram, uh, and he wants to start Dean Wade over Larry Nance because of the the spacing. No, and, that's getting too cute. And I think it is too cute by a mile. <laughs> but I did want to uh, use that as a springboard to talk more about how thrilled I am with the way Dean Wade is playing for this team. Yeah, I, I mean, let's give some credit to our draft expert in front of the podcast, Trevor Magnotti, who had Dean Wade actually ranked, I think he had him ranked 40th uh, on his big board, uh, with the big question being kind of the, the foot injuries that he had coming into the NBA, uh, but said he's a mobile four that plays good defense that can uh, be an effective weapon in the pick and pop. And this guy's a shooter. Like, I, I've seen enough out of him he is remarkably consistent. Like he's actually brought a level of consistency that we haven't even seen with Dylan Windler. Now I was about to say, he's been a better shooter than Dylan Windler this year. Right. And maybe some of that is he didn't miss all of last season rehabbing and sure helps. cleaning Ken and you kind of get your reps in there. Um, so I, I'm sure that that's a contributing factor to that, but he has really been a valuable piece to them. And more and more, like the more I'm seeing him, I'm sitting here thinking this guy's a rotation player. Like this is a guy that belongs on an NBA roster. This is a guy that the Cavs are fortunate to have had and to have developed and brought up in their system. Um, I'm I'm really really pleased with what he's brought to the table, and I, I'd like to see them continue to keep get, finding ways to keep him in the rotation. I mean, that's not a problem as long as Kevin Love is out. So maybe we will, in all likelihood, see a good amount of him down the stretch this season. But man, I'm I'm just really impressed with his two way ability. Like that that yeah, is not well, something they, I expected. It, and it's funny he's kind of in that um in that camp of players who solid good nba players see him and think they see food yeah um and then they're like oh wait a minute this isn't as easy as i thought it was going to be um he moves his feet really really well i've talked a lot about how much i like the way he closes out on shooters really really balanced chops his feet really well and then on the offensive side i mean the three it it feels like he has just been it's either he got more confident or the Cavs coaching staff told him to get more confident you know because i do think there is a degree of like you know you you don't take a a three uh off the cat off a pin down and catch turn and fire unless you've been empowered to do so you know what i mean and i feel like he has very much been empowered to shoot the ball and that second three he made against boston in the fourth quarter which is really really important by the way to keeping keeping their distance when they were just you know coming after them like an avalanche Right. Those kind of threes actually bend the defense and, and cause uh, you to force attention. And I just never thought I'd be talking about a player like this who's averaging 3.5 points and 2.1 rebounds, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. And obviously those stats are very, very skewed from games where he was at the very end of the rotation playing two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. But yeah, I'm just really, really impressed with him in general. And I, I like the way that he finds ways to impact the game. In the month of March, he's averaging uh, two made threes a game in just 20 minutes, uh, putting up four and a half in, in those 20 minutes. And really, he's pretty much realized that the only way I'm going to 
to score, the only way I'm going to shoot is I'm going to try to finish in transition when I have an open lane by running the floor hard and I'm going to take threes. Mm-hmm. And I think that is exactly the kind of shot diet that's going to keep him in the league. And man, I'm just really glad they have him. He's such a great uh, contingency. Like if you told me that the Cavs power forward rotation for the rest of the year was going to be Larry Nance and Dean Wade, I'd be like, okay, that's not a big problem to me. Like that is not a huge concern for me in that position group. Or if you, if you had told me that at the beginning of the year, I might've been pretty concerned. Yeah, I definitely would have had some concerns there. And I think you're correct to highlight that pin down play. Uh, you did a good job spotlighting that on Twitter as well. Um, you're seeing more of those. And I think that that's something that the Cavs... Yeah, they ran one for Sexton too, right? Yeah, as well as Garland. Garland hit one where I was like, okay, there you go. You need to take those. Because when we're talking about those second half adjustments Miami and Boston has made... Uh, a lot of the time, like Garland is making the right basketball play, but there is times where he has enough space to get a shot off and he needs to be a little more aggressive in, in those times because he needs to understand, hey, I'm not going to see the same first half defense that I saw. They, they understand what I can bring to the table, how much of a threat I am, and when I'm scoring, it makes everybody else more dangerous. So when they start trying to take that away, he needs to be aggressive. He needs to get those shots up, especially coming off of those pin downs. Um, I, I'm seeing more and more no hesitation threes from him off ball, and that's a really nice development. I, I like that the coaching staff is implementing those types looks but they need more guys with that mentality with that dean wade mentality of we're just going to go out there and we're going to pull some threes i i do find it really ironic when you look at this recent stretch because we had talked about uh the the three-point shooting from the Cavs and um how the volume concerns were maybe a little dated i do find it funny that the one game they win is the game where they took 23 threes to Boston's 38 threes, especially when they took so many more than Miami the, the game before. Sure, they, they made the same number of threes as Boston, so it was nice to see some uh, actual accurate three-point shooting. Uh, but it is ironic that the one game where they don't take a ton of threes, um, that they, they end up winning. But I, I do think some of that was Boston's missing people in the middle. I, I thought they attacked the rim effectively. Um, I, I want to give a special shout out to uh, Colin Sexton, who, man, he, he had a great night. He kind of burst out of his outside or broke out of his outside shooting slump that he had been in and against a really, really good defender in Jalen Brown. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of just like it, it. When you watch the Celtics, when they're locked in on defense, it, it's a wonder anyone ever scores yeah. on that defensive backcourt. I mean, Marcus Smart and and honestly, it makes you just think like, that is a team that like you kind of have to attack their second unit players. And that's really where I think the Cavs won this game is in the Jeff Teague minutes and the Peyton Pritchard minutes, even though he was plus, he had a positive plus minus. Like those are like, it's like, Oh Jesus, finally someone who I can dribble and and run a normal pick and roll against dude. So not, not, not to derail you here, but if you're Sam Presti, look at Boston and view it as a cautionary tale. Because this is what happens when you stockpile a ton of picks and you don't make any moves for them and you just have to kind of take some random shots later in the draft. Because Boston's bench is loaded with guys they took kind of mid to late first round that they didn't really have time to develop. (laughs) None of these guys worked out. Like, so many whiffs. Like, it it is amazing (laughs) that they didn't turn any of those picks into something that matters and that they, they basically, like... 
I, I don't want to say wasted picks. Maybe, maybe some of it was, hey, we had other high usage guys in Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, uh, Kyrie, and, and we didn't really have the ability to develop them. But you got to recognize where you are on that developmental curve when you are a, a team that's going to the conference finals. Um, you, you're not going to have the same ability to develop players. We saw it in Cleveland. Uh, so this is absolutely a cautionary tale. And another one of those examples that acquiring assets is great. But the actual construction of a team and team building isn't so easy. That's that's the actual hard part here. Yeah, and ultimately, it's just a matter of, like, you have to cash in on assets. Like, unless I, – I understand that everyone wants to have the Godfather package available to them mm-hmm. um, to go get a super-duper star. But especially if you're Sam Presti, like, if you, if you are sitting on a big stockpile of picks, I would be cashing those – ones that are you're expecting to land in the 27 28 29 range from some of these contenders you helped build Mm -hmm. um you know like be cashing those in as trade chips you know think about someone like jared allen like would jared allen be good with this young thunder core yeah uh, so many so many teams are probably you, kicking themselves well, over well i'm sure i'm sure but there's young players like that all the time you know that get moved you know the karis Leverts, who's maybe a tough example because he's a little bit older just because uh, he was in college for so long but like there are young players that get moved that you know you don't have to pay a crazy amount to and also like wh- how clean does okc's books need to get like, you know, they, they have the Horford contract. They're obviously taking on some money here and there, but they're also rerouting a lot of that money. So I don't know, man. I, I You know how I felt. We felt about this. We felt this way about Danny Ainge's uh, decisions at the time when he was like, no, I don't want to trade for Boogie. No, I don't want to trade for Kawhi. No, I don't want to trade for PG. And it's like, yeah, you got a couple really, really good players, and they're always going to be ahead of everyone else because they have those two uh, until they don't. Mm-hmm. But, like, Youth only gets you so far, and a contending team shouldn't be relying on this many 20-year-olds. And, and, like, they have had a lot of injuries, and uh, they, they've dealt with COVID and whatnot, but I, I, I feel like the Cavs also have enough man games missed this season that I, I can point this out. It's remarkable with the personnel that they have that their defensive rating for the year is only 0.5 better than the Cavs. It, it's 112.3 versus the Cavs 112.8. Like, 22nd ranked defense for that Boston Celtics team is just, it's wild. And, and well, it's, I, you know what Marcus I think Smart is the is wildest time, stat? Jason Tatum's missed time, um, but still, like, that still. that's mind-boggling. You, you know what the wildest stat is? What's that? The, the Charlotte Hornets are a half game up on the Boston Celtics in the standings. That is, that is objectively funny. <laughs> that is hilarious. Now, I'm sure that'll go... You know, the, talking about a team that's overperforming, the Hornets are getting outscored on the year, but they're over 500. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, uh, it is hilarious. The fact that Gordon Hayward walks, uh, they get a trade exception for him. And, uh, and and then all this, and then this Hornets team is somehow better, which by the way, I think a lot of people saw as a possibility because that team was so fun last year. What's wild about that Hornets team, by the way, and I know we're just way off topic now, but whatever, we're yeah, near the end, of, we're near the end of the podcast. You know, what's weird about them is didn't you kind of think that they were going to need more out of like Devonte Graham, who was like, who looked like their maybe young star um, coming out of last year. It's like, Oh, that guy, he can, shoot three with volume and he's really really good and he's had a terrible year been injury riddled jumper's mm-hmm. not there and it's like no well you know gordon hayward terry Rozier are really really good and then malik monk found himself and then all of a sudden 
you got a team that's going to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and, and as I said, Lamelo Ball is out of this world. Like clear. Well, that helps. The year. That he, that sure helps. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, adding Gordon Hayward as much as we aren't the biggest fans of him, he he brings a lot to the table. And uh, I would have thought that they'd need to upgrade their center position a little bit to to get to this range. But well, boy, can they, Justin? Just <laughs> Andre Drummond uh, for Cody Zeller, uh, some flotsam and a couple picks. Call it in. <laughs> Speaking of Andre Drummond, uh, Mark Stein did report uh, that basically the Toronto talks are dead. Makes sense because Norm Powell was a uh, essential part of that deal um, for. And he is a, flame, a human torch. Yeah, he, he's been pretty fantastic. He was struggling early in the season, so that makes sense. Probably like my gut instinct at this point. No sources. Again, we are not journalists. We are not the sauces pod. Um, I, I kind of feel like we're heading to a buyout. Um, Zach Lowe had reported that there are offers on the table. If the Cavs really wanted a second round pick, um, there are offers on the table. It would just take bad salary in return, which at this point, as we said, it's really nice. It'll be really nice to actually go into an offseason with flexibility. And uh, at some point, you need to start building up the roster. And um, if this team is, as we've said, better than their record, and even their record, indicates uh, a sizable leap from last season despite what what some frustrated people will tell you um then you probably want some flexibility to round out the roster to get those supporting pieces in to get those guys that uh help make things easier for the young players like when we talk about charlotte and adding some veterans there like the Cavs clearly recognize the value of veterans so it wouldn't surprise me to see their moves at the deadline be to maybe add a couple pieces that help out for this season, but really position themselves uh, to add talent at uh, in the off season and really round out this rotation. Can I grump? Can I grump for a second? <sighs> yeah, go ahead. Andre Drummond is averaging 18 points, 14 boards, two and a half assists, one and a half steals in a block per game. The Cavaliers were better with him on the floor. They outscored opponents when he was on the floor. And they're going to have to buy him out. Think peace intelligentsia, man. That's, that's what really is going down. on? People he, are getting way he's, too he's on, an, he's on an expiring contract. And they're just going to let the Brooklyn Nets sign this guy for the league minimum? Well, it, it sounds like it'll be the... It, I, I think the latest reporting is that the Lakers kind of have the leg up. because Well, whoever. It's job. ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. This guy, if if we were still writers, I would do a... I would have deep, deep dive to actually do the research. But by several, several, like hundreds of degrees of magnitude will be the best player to ever receive a buyout in NBA history. He, he He's going to decide who wins the championship. Like, it is it's bananas a very real possibility to me. of how, that. Like if he goes to Brooklyn or LA, that that's that's canceled and Christmas. Like, and it's not deal. even it's not even like he's got like a four year deal that the team is stretching to get out of. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with him as yeah. an asset. No. This is insanity. Every team in the league, or at least half of them, have some terrible contract to send back. Yeah, and, and, and like what that's... is going on? That's one of the weirdest things like that. That was part of why I felt it was a worthwhile gamble in the first place. Well, a big part of it was 
the the free agent class and yeah it sucks that we didn't get more of a run with him last season uh covid kind of took that away um it, it, it it's mind-boggling to me it really is it feels like once again people get a little too cute where oh he's not exactly the archetype of what we'd want he's still a productive player and and another guy that i'm going to be wishing all the best for because um like it made sense why why they moved on the way they did i i think everybody saw what was going on uh and jared allen has been really fun and we're kind of once again progressing towards that kind of clean slate with the young core that we've wanted but at the end of the day andre jarman is still someone that can help out another team I, i'm still a believer in that and i just i i am befuddled by this the deadness of this market there are so many teams that could use a little help at, at center and that you know all they got to do is get an owner to pay it's not like they're going to take on you know long-term salary again this is an expiring contract yeah well and you're yeah. only paying them half the year <laughs> yeah real g's moving silence man uh the Cavs don't I, usually I, leak I a mean, lot so maybe i mean, something I mean may, maybe order. something's gonna happen but this is not and i really do not feel like this is an indictment of the cleveland cavaliers that nobody thinks andre drummond could help them for half a year mm-hmm. it's it's in, i think it is so stupid i i don't think it was i didn't think it was stupid last year because it was one and a half years of a huge salary this is just an owner protecting their pocketbooks at this point or a gm who thinks they've solved basketball that thinks that this dude can't help and maybe and maybe maybe this rant will blow up in my face later when he if he if he loves through a game uh in the finals and and loses la a game but any good team can use a player this talented like yeah. how long, how many times do we have to see a talented player get surrounded by other talent and then become the best version of themselves before we realize that it's not as it's not as simple as they didn't work on this their team that wasn't that good so they must suck. Yeah. No, I I think you make a valid point there. That best player and, and, and best maybe maybe it just history. is maybe maybe it just is that the these best uh these kind of elite contending teams that have an interest in him don't really have the salary matching to to make it work um so the the teams that aren't very good um are sending crappy offers with salary and they they don't really have confidence that they can retain them like there's a whole bunch of factors that might go into it uh and a, a little more nuance to be had but i think ultimately yeah it, it's yeah unbelievable. I, I get that there i get that there's more nuance to have but the best but the you should not be the best player in NBA history to be bought out by this kind of margin. Mm-hmm. If it, if the margin between you and PJ Brown is this freaking big, then the league has failed in some way, in my opinion, man, uh, my guy S uh, rap <laughs> from the Raptors Twitter uh, just tweeted. Andre Drummond is like the Mysterio of the NBA. That man makes you think he's doing more than he actually is on the court. You know what? I think there's going to be a course correction. He's going to end up on a good team and people are going to, I, I think, I think your take's going to age well is, is what I'm trying to say. I, I'm not saying he's perfect. I think we've been very, very fair in the way we've evaluated Andre and why we felt like it was the best thing for the Cavs to send him home. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I, what are we doing here? This is a league that is so desperate for talent that PJ Tucker's getting two <laughs> fake first rounders. Listen, and we're gonna I, and we're gonna let Andre Drummond hit the market for the veterans minimum. You know what? You know what they should do. I, actually, never mind. You can't even take him on waivers because they're gonna buy him out. So, oh, this is such weird. This is you so know what it is? Me, it's man. it's it's the theme of the pod. Getting a little too cute. <laughs>
I think everyone's getting You're a little too cute. Me, man. We we got too cute, or I got too cute with my Okoro tape. You're still there. That's fine. You'll you'll uh, you'll you'll come around in time. Uh, I, I have now, in the span of three days, completely changed my stance and feel very strongly about it, as I am wont to do. Uh, and, and the league is going to see with Andre Drummond once he's in a good situation. So, uh, look, looking forward to seeing that. Looking forward to either laughing at our takes or you know doing a little bit of a victory lap as we like to do uh the Cavs next are next in action on Friday they take on the San Antonio Spurs I'm looking forward to that DeMar DeRozan will not play good news for them because he has been fantastic this season uh and I I want another win I want a little bit of feel good and I also want feel good on Sunday because I'm I'm going to be watching a Raptors Cavs game with uh with some of my family, which is going to and be really exciting. But before before you wrap, Justin, it's very important that I ask this. We are we, will the Cavs have made a trade by the time we next podcast? I don't think so. I think it's. I don't think be, so either. I I think it'll be semi busy at the deadline. I don't. I I think they're going to weigh their options. So I I think there might be deals in the chamber. If I had to guess, and again, no sauces here. If I had to guess, I think that there's deals in the chamber, but keeping options open, especially when it comes to Andre Drummond. Are you going to tie another player to that, make a more kind of complex trade to get something going on? It wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of what what's holding up some of the action. But you never know. This team does not leak a whole lot. We, we certainly are not getting it, uh, in, information on that as well. And that's okay because I, I like the space we operate in. It, it, it's fun for me and you know what before i wrap as well i do want to give a massive thank you to our listeners you guys came in strong with the reviews i had asked for more ratings and reviews and you guys blew me away uh i i genuinely get emotional when i read it that the support of our audience just it, it's amazing you, you guys are the absolute best carter do you have anything to add to that as well i i, I don't want to wrap but before you have a chance to add on to me I really wanted to go a Barry Gibb talk show and just say, no, no, I don't. But no, <laughs> I, I, I very much uh, appreciate the the love. Uh, I those Reading through those reviews always lifts my spirits. It's so cool to see, uh, you know, the variety in ways that people enjoy listening. It's It's just kind of an honor and really cool. So thank you very much for supporting the podcast. And please, if you haven't reviewed, please do. It's very, very helpful to the pod. I couldn't it- tell you how, but it sure is. Uh, it, you, you know how? Because Apple's metrics are messed up. That That's why I always tell people to leave that rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe to help cook those books because those charts are only on new subscriptions. They, they're, they're not factoring in what we've been bringing to the table, the consistency of our listener base. So massive thanks to all of our listeners. Make sure you guys continue to support us uh, or else, or else we will hunt you or down. Or else. Yeah, or else we will hunt you down. If you haven't let a, left a or rating we will, yet, please do Or so. we will burn you to cut to the ground. <laughs> Oh, man, this was a fun podcast. Thank you again to all our listeners. Your support really does mean a lot to us. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs.